invented my own kind of grass, too. Did you know that? Look at this. This is registered. Carl Spagler Bent. Oh, yeah. I've, I've, I've felt grass like this before. I've played this. This is a hybrid. This is a cross, uh, uh, bluegrass, Kentucky bluegrass, uh, featherbed bent, and uh, Northern California sensimia. The amazing stuff about this is that you can play 36 holes on it in the afternoon, take it home and just get stoned at a bejesus belt that night on the stuff. All right, everybody, welcome back to another week of Muskies on Tap. I'm one of your hosts here tonight, Gus Manti. We got a cute few of us uh, in the Mott crew playing a little injured here. Um, as you maybe can hear from my voice, I don't know how much of it's coming through the mic, but uh, really not a lot. I'm uh, under the weather again this winter. Fellow member here, Max, is as well, and actually even our guest, so before we get into any introductions, I'd like to apologize for the lateness of this podcast. Uh, the recording was delayed because of uh, us being sick. It was, it would have been a nightmare if we had to record when all of our voices were pretty bad. So we're all here on the mend and we're feeling better and uh, we're excited to bring you this podcast here with uh, Owen Seaman from Big O's Bucktails and the Musky Hunks podcast. Shout and, out. Uh, shout out. Shout out to Owen. <laughs> so before we get any further, let's introduce the others here on tonight. We got none other than Max Menti. How do you do tonight, Max? Uh, I'm on the mend. Feeling a little under the weather still. Just going to battle this one out here tonight. Uh, excited to be with you guys. Looking forward to talking with uh, Big O himself. And... Uh, Obviously, uh, very excited to see our our buddy Brian over there, his shining face. Brian, as the one healthy member of this podcast committee here tonight, how have uh, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm holding up a little bit better than you guys, I think. Uh, I don't I don't know where Gus keeps catching these germs. There's nobody in Eagle River right now. They don't have snow, so you don't have the snowmobile traffic. I don't know what you're doing late at night, Gus. Get them city folk. Nah, it's them city folk coming back up north, man. Freaking when Max came up there with some with some peeps, he brought some germs and we'll blame hey, it on man, the Chicagans. If, yeah, yeah, that's what I'll do. Some Chicagans, the minis. Um well I I'm I'm here tapping in for for my drink of the night with some body armor light. Oh, I was gonna water. say I thought what you had a beer. I was like <laughs> Yeah, I, quit. so I, I brought I brought this up because if I wasn't under the weather, I'd be having uh, a good old amber beer that I got from the the road rules that uh, buddy Kyle gave me from District One Brewing. I think it was called the Goal Caulfield oh, Amber. Nice. Oh, that's clever. From, from Stevens Point. Nice. Yeah. Shout out, Cole. Yeah, I'm I'm, dr- I'm drinking a uh, throat coat tea tonight, so I got we got muskies on tea coming. What was that coming for you guys? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we got muskies but, on uh, tea, muskies on electrolytes. Brian, what you got? I got the Aquafina pure water, perfect <laughs> taste. You would be an Aquafina guy, huh? This is the <laughs> softest podcast intro of all time. Um, <laughs> let's let's get let's get into some some musky talk here, because Gus, you just got done with your first ever 
um, a seminar with the road rules um, event Greg uh, Thomas put on down there in Mosinee. Give us a little recap. How'd it go? Were you, were you having any pregame uh, butterflies prior to getting up there and doing some public speaking or did it go smoothly? You know, I, I did, I did a little bit, you know, first off, big shout out to uh, Greg Thomas putting on GT, that event. Shout out. GT. That was GT. <laughs> uh really excited to have the opportunity to go and speak there and uh it was a great crowd great group of people there everyone was really friendly so that made it a lot easier you know to to speak at um no no hecklers no hecklers yeah no if there was a heckler it'd probably be greg himself so you know <laughs> But, uh, I was gonna send you the the old uh, SpongeBob meme of, oh brother, this guy stinks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I didn't. I wasn't sweating that that would happen. You know, I had I had at least, you know, confidence I could pull through and put something together. But uh, once I started getting past like the intro slide, I felt I felt pretty comfortable. You know, they dimmed the front half of the room lights, so you know, it's not like there's some giant spotlight blinding me that would have uh made it a little bit more <laughs> more difficult sure. but but you know I, I don't know i i got i got i got through it i felt like it went really well um i think it resonated with some people and you know i got to talk to some people afterwards and that was really cool they came up and and uh said i did a nice job which was really 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 nice of them and you know met some great people and some people that uh, gave a couple shout outs to the pod that they've, that they've been listening or, you know, there's a few people that were like, Oh, oh that's sweet. Going. You know, I'll go check that out. Gave some people some stickers. So, you know, I, I thought, I thought it was a great event, you know, shout out to the sportsman's repair shop there in Mosinee for hosting it as, as well. Sure. So uh, yeah, it was a great time. You know, I got to see Nate, Nate Osfar as well. And, and Michael Hansen and uh, yeah, it was a good time great talks that day was there is it a live q a after uh you know it's a pretty laid-back event it it wasn't like a you know q a it's just like you know when, yeah. when you're when each person was done it was like you know you got any questions and then they would just kind of bounce around the room and people would maybe go back to say you want to talk about this slide again or i got a question about this part of your talk i got a question about this bait it was pretty open-ended any any parts of your talk that a couple people had questions on or that sparked interest? Um, well, my talk was on specific baits and there was definitely a couple, you know, things that I chatted about that, that people had a little bit more interest on. You know, I obviously don't want to give too much away cause you know, gave out the info to the, to the people that, you know, wanted to make it out to the show and, and you know, support the road rules event and stuff like that. But, no, I, people definitely showed some interest, so I was that was pretty awesome. I mean, the the one funny thing was Greg was asking me when I wanted to go on, and and I'm like, ah, just like the later the better. I don't want to be like first or anything. And then and then Nate was first in the morning. I got there like ten minutes before he started, and and I'm like, I'll go later. And then Greg's like, okay, I'll go after Nate. Then like more than halfway through Nate's uh, presentation, Greg pulls me aside and goes. Hey, I got technical difficulties. You're next. <laughs> like in in like 20 minutes. Is like, I'm like, oh, uh, okay. <laughs> I get the uh, before lunch crowd then. 
So uh, I was hoping to get the post-lunch crowd, but <laughs> uh, it's no, good. It that, uh, sounded like it was a success. Nice, nice job doing that. Um, who'd have thunk, you know, that you'd be doing some public speaking engagements, talking on a podcast a year and a half ago. Uh, I don't, yeah, I don't know, man. That's crazy. Yeah, it was all, awesome. all, oh yeah, it was all because of your spark, Max. You said, let's start a podcast. And you asked me, what's the logistics? Can we do that? And I'm like, I think so. <laughs> I think we can. Maybe. Well, I, I just know. remember how nervous you were to go on the guide panel on that Backlash head on, you know, not too long ago. So yeah, it's cool to see like, the progression. Yeah, seriously. I, I think uh, not trying to point that episode out again, because I, I maybe had a couple good points once I warmed up in that podcast. But I think my intro or one of the first questions I answered actually pretty poorly. And uh, after I re-listened to it, I was like, oh my God, I had so much more to talk about there, but I just <laughs> shriveled up and completely blanked and then just handed the mic to the next person. <laughs> like it's basically like, I just, it like probably sounded like Jeff cut something out of there. No, that was literally me just pretty much stopping mid thought and giving the <laughs> mic to the next person. So I've come a long way. Yeah, Scott, way. there's always growing pains. Um, well, hey, speaking of things that are uh, continuing to come along here, we got some hats that are cooking here. What's going on with those? I just got a, a yeah, I just got an email that the hats are en route. I got a tracking number and they should be here uh, before this weekend, you know, probably Ooh. about by the time this podcast comes out, which is going to be a day late, I assume. Um, just based on recording being like a day or two later than typical re- recording nights. So that'll give me plenty of time to sort through them, take really cool pictures, you know, put them out to the pub before we head to the first show in Milwaukee where, uh, where uh, my buddy Clayton and I are going to be driving down there and uh, we're going to be there the whole weekend. And then also other than just us two, our other good friend, uh, Pete Blickards, is going to be in a guide panel Q&A thing on Saturday morning, I believe. I, I can't remember the time. I might have said it in the last podcast, like 1030 or 1130. It's going to be us three on just kind of chatting up on Q&A uh, with people just like a Northwoods guide panel. So looking looking forward to that as well. That's coming up shortly. That's mid mid uh february here that's got to be what's that going to be 16th 17th 18th is is the milwaukee is the milwaukee show awesome well uh all good stuff looking forward to all that um but i think for now let's dive into this interview with owen and um hope you guys enjoy All right, everybody, on the line here tonight, we got Owen Seaman with Big O's Bucktails out east in uh, Pennsylvania. So, Owen, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great, guys. Thanks for thanks for having me on. And, you know, I'll go ahead and apologize in advance. I know we're all kind of playing sick here tonight. I'm, I'm under the weather. Uh, it sounds like a couple of you guys are under the weather, so... You know, we'll we'll do our best to to get something in here. But I was look I've really been looking forward to talking to you guys. And thanks for having me on. I don't think I've ever been, you know, been a guest on anything. So, you know, I'll I'll definitely remember it. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. We uh 
we all got a little bit of an MJ flu game going on here tonight. So we're, uh, we're thankful you're able to make it. Um, I I'm, uh, I'm glad to, to finally get you on here. You know, you guys were nice enough to give us some shine on your podcast, the hunks musky hunks, which we'll, we'll chat about later on. Um, but yeah, really looking forward to, to chat with you here tonight. So I want to start off with some of the, the bucktail stuff because, um, I don't know if you, if you know this, but your spinner bait is actually responsible for Gus's personal best pike, Northern pike. And what would have mm-hmm. been my personal best muskie had I just done a better job at setting the hook. So uh, I, I did believe me. I've, I listened to the podcast and, and, and I, you know, my heart is broken, especially with, you know, losing that fish in tournament time like that. But, you know, just to have my baits in play and you know, we'll kind of talk about that, you know, a little bit here, but that's really just why, why you do it. I mean, making bucktails and making spinner baits isn't, you know, it's not the craftsmanship that some of these crank baits and things like that are. It's really just trying to make, the best tool you know they're not the most beautiful things you know you, you're not getting these crazy paint jobs it's just really trying to make the, the the best tool for whatever it is you're trying to fish and you know those spinner baits can be fished in a bunch of different ways my bucktails can be fished in a bunch of different ways so that's really what i try to do is kind of offer something a little bit different maybe custom because you're never going to reinvent the wheel with a bucktail in the sense mm-hmm. that you know a double-bladed bucktail you know, you can put different staggers, you can do just about all kinds of different stuff, but it's still a, a, a bucktail, you know? Mm-hmm. And right. so it is kind of trying to find what little differences can you make to try to get your bait to stand out. Well, what got you, I mean, I guess what got it started then for you when you decided, all right, I'm just going to start building these. Um, has it been recent or was there anything that really made you want to try it out? It was, I got musky fever in 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, I was essentially, I, at that point, but that point in time, my kids were young. I mean, I had like, like a five, a three and a one-year-old, um, like work was crazy. Like I just, I guess in a lot of ways I was looking for a new outlet because I had been a big golfer, mm-hmm. uh, and golf was my, a uh, huge outlet for me. And that kind of fizzled out with family and, and then musky fishing, I caught a 54-inch musky in 2017 when I was on Lake Nipissing. And that kind of obviously, like, it changes something in you. Not to mention the fact that, like, I was in a weird place in my life with, like, career change, young kids. Like, I mean, I'm not going to lie. It was a, a bit of a midlife crisis I was going through. Uh, and musky fishing filled a void very quickly that, uh, you know, I was important to me and making bucktails was just another extension of that. It was like, kind of like, okay, I can't fish during the winter. You know, I can only watch so many YouTube videos. Um, (laughs) and it was like, what else can I do to kind of get myself involved in it? And it was like, all right, bucktails look like something I could probably, you know, figure out. You want to watch a bunch of videos, you buy a bunch of stuff and you can figure out how to make bucktails. Like, I know you guys make bucktails. It's like, it's mm-hmm. not, it ain't brain surgery. You know, mm-hmm. if you, if you have all the components and you have the know-how really anyone out there can make a bucktail. So it, you know, as a guy that makes bucktails, it's, I, I don't know. I feel like some, some guys like really make it out. Like it's, it's a bigger deal than it is. Uh, 
you know, we're not, these right. aren't like state of the art items. I mean, it's a bunch of quality components that are most likely bought from, you know, hopefully places in the United States. Most of the components we get, luckily we do get from the United States. Uh, mine, I get, I have a, a there's a company in Wisconsin that oh, nice. is a, a, does most of the lore components. But again, it's like you buy these components and you put them together. That's what a bucktail is. <laughs> and you got some sweet decals on yours, though, too. I mean, I, I think that was the one thing that stood out to me when you had sent over a few of yours outside of, like, some of the really cool, unique color combinations. And uh, I think just the size of the spinnerbait was something that we really liked, uh, the weight of it. I mean, I think we'll, we'll kind of get into that with how we were fishing them. But um, those decals you put on your your baits are pretty cool, if you want to touch on that. Yeah, I mean, that just kind of – that goes from my logo, in which – you know, have, everyone makes fun of me for using the term organic on, on the podcast, but you know, it all kind of happened organically in the sense that, uh, you know, I didn't have a logo or anything and I'm making bucktails and I have a buddy that paints and he loves to paint and he loves, loves to fish. And he's the one that made the original um, painting that's that, that I, I have hang, hung in my office. Cool. It is basically the, just the, you know, just the one single fish in kind of a stained glass, um pattern oh, and sure. then i sent that to another design company in pittsburgh commonwealth press and they made the they took that painting and made the logo itself and then we i love the oh so much i was like listen you know what can you put on a blade to you know to give some type of contrast i mean because that's really what that blade is spinning so fast you know i've painted a bunch of blades and i'm not really super into that I kind of like I've gotten more into just the solid color blades with a, a the big decal that can, you know, that really stands out. Yeah. G Gus, what was what did you notice about the uh, the spinner bait, though, that when we got it, I remember we kind of were talking about them like, oh, I'm excited to fish these. They just felt like a lot more heavy duty than spinner baits we've yeah. had in the past. Like not to to shit on other spinner baits by any means. They all work. But like some of them kind of feel like maybe a little bit lighter, like heavy, like kind of glorified bass baits. And when like I grabbed your spinner bait, I was like, Oh, this is a musky spinner bait. Like this, this thing yeah. feels, you know, beefy. <laughs> I mean, you're so what, spot I forget, on there. Well, I forget what I sent you. I know I sent you a three, a couple three ounces. That's the, those are the ones that are like the, the, the beefy ones. That's, yeah. that's the um, one that those are the ones that we use in vermilion. And, uh, I think two, you sent two, one and a half ounces which are still pretty hefty because, you know, one and a half on the smaller blades, it can get down pretty deep. And that's what I was going to say. Like, I really <clears throat> like the difference there because I, I don't own a ton of spinner baits. And, and to be honest, I probably underutilized the whole category itself. And uh, what I found is that yours can stay deep and go quick where most of the spinner baits that I've used, they just ride so high. I've actually had sometimes clients will throw them out and they start reeling it too fast and they start boiling on the surface or, or blowing out of the water. And, and that's not what you want. So what was the old idea on making them, you know, extra heavy, maybe to like troll as well, or, or just be it comes from the Canadian up. guys, the Canadian guys. Absolutely. I mean, you know, that's, that's where I was introduced to spinnerbait trolling. Uh, you know, th those guys, they've been, they've been doing it for, for years and I really think that, you know, the spinnerbait, spinnerbaits in general for musky fishing is an underutilized 
category in the States by guys in the States. I don't know about, you know, out, out in the Midwest. I know here it is, I, I would say super underutilized, it is but for sure. in Canada, there are guys that that's like all they'll fish. I mean, that's, right. you know, if they, if they, when they go out, they are casting them, they are trolling them and they're putting gigantic fish in the fish in the net every single year. So it's kind of like, well, you know, what is it about that? And you're trying to mess with the weighting, you mess with different blades, and you really just kind of try to find what works for you. And, you know, what I've found is the three ounce for both casting and trolling and the one and a half, you know, if you if you really just want to cast it, because casting the three ounces can be tough. You know, it's, it's not... Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're it not was, the easiest. It was things. tough to burn. Yeah, we were burning them over pretty shallow water, and we needed yeah. what we need to use ten. You know what we would normally throw in like double ten plus size blades to burn. But you know, but they then I'm, I'm I'm currently building up a couple of five ounces for ooh, guys up in ooh, Canada that on. are that are fishing. You know, <laughs> like the heavy current, and they mm-hmm. need these things to stay down. And it's just a totally different type of fishing than you know than I you know. Than I hear many people doing here. I, so, I, uh, I oh god, sorry. I was I was just gonna ask you if you're cooking up anything secret in the kitchen there for this upcoming year. I see a bunch of baits behind you on the wall. Are you trying to create your own new blade ramification or no? What you, you know got? what? It, again, it's you know kind of looking at what else is working in the industry, and and again, you're not trying to reinvent the wheel. Uh, I've, I've I figured out adding on that uh like what I'm calling a bonsai blade which is you know you've you've seen Dadson's blade with it with no name which mm-hmm. you know again the canadian guys they they market market stuff like you can't get it and which i get you know i guess in in a sense you can't buy a Dadson blade with no name but i can go in my basement and make one like <laughs> i'll think if right. it, if it takes me a, a hundred different tries that's the thing about having components is if even if it takes me a hundred different tries i can figure it out where someone if you don't have that you know if you don't have all the components but i can go figure out how to make anything you know it's like and that's what and and you figure out how to make it a little different you know i'm using a much smaller blade um you know and again all my bucktails i'm i use flexible wire instead of a hard wire which you know, I don't know of anyone else that's doing that exclusively. I know other companies have done it. Again, it's it's just the combination of things that I've found that I like that work. And like, that's what I like to put out there. I'm not trying to put out a spanky bait and I'm not trying to put out, you know, an IC9, <laughs> you know, like that's not the intention. It's to put out something that's a little bit different. Maybe it's something that'll that'll work. Maybe not. So you're you're pretty crafty with your own bucktails and spinner baits, and we've talked about this in a couple other pods with modding up some other baits in different bait categories. Have you gotten bored this winter at all and tried to mod a different bait with blade or whatever it might be? Not really. Um, you know, because I I spend so much time built, especially during show season. You know, it's it's like a mad rush. You know, I feel like I've been burning the candle at both ends between work kids and building bucktails and spinner baits and you know when you're trying to get ready for a show you got to worry about everything else you got to worry about your display you got to worry about transporting all your shit from pittsburgh to chautauqua new york you got to worry about you know you know making sure you have everything that you need because once you're up there you're screwed so (laughs) you really spend a lot of time behind the scenes making like 
zipping it all up. And and so, no, I, I, I haven't really had too much time to, to mess with other stuff. I like to, but that's more during, honestly, that's more during the summer when I'm, when I'm fishing, I will, yeah. you know, cause you're, I'd like to modify stuff while I'm out there on the water. Mm-hmm. I agree. So you're talking about, obviously you're, you're, yeah, you had your hands full lately with this show. Um, excited to hear about that. So last weekend, if I'm correct, was the Muskie Max show. It was in Chautauqua, New York. No, Muskie Max. No, Muskie Max, Max is... is coming up. So, oh, sorry. Yeah, Which so one were you just at? This was the New York Muskie Expo that was okay. at, in Chautauqua, New York. And then okay. we have Muskie Max coming up March, I think, what is it? Second and third. Second, third. Yeah. Yeah. And that, okay. that's here in, in Pittsburgh, just south of Pittsburgh in Washington, PA. My fault. But yeah, so this, was that your this first one show? up in Chautauqua was really cool. Yeah. Was that your first time having a full display and everything? No, I've uh, my first full display was 2020 Muskie Max, which cool. was literally like the weekend before the world shut down. <laughs> it was March yeah. 7th and 8th of 2020. And so after that, and we, you know, there were no shows for, I guess my next show after that was just Musky Max of 2022, you know, what, you know, whatever it is, sure. two day, two years later. Year, so, yeah, uh, I'm not a. Once you do it a couple times, you get kind of used to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's it's pretty cool, man. The whole the shine hasn't worn off being a, a vendor yet. Where I, I think bet. a lot of it has for a lot of a lot of vendors that have been doing it for a long time. Yeah, Dude. I mean, you're but you're you know a small batch maker, and that's kind of cool that you get to go out there and show off your stuff and get to meet some new people and introduce some new people to your baits. I mean, it's awesome. And you know, what's cool is that the New York, because where Chautauqua is located, you know, it's only a couple hours for Canadian guys to come down. So we had a bunch of awesome Canadian vendors come down. We had a bunch of guys come down, you know, just come down to to buy, you know, just as consumers. So it was cool to kind of bring that aspect in because, you know, the Canadian guys aren't going to come all the way to Pittsburgh for Muskie Max. You know, that's a, you know, that's a, a seven, eight hour drive as opposed to maybe a two and a half, three hour drive down to just outside of Buffalo. So it's cool to get your baits in front of other people. And that's, that's really what it's all about. Nice. Is uh, the New York, is that kind of a mixed show of, of small and large vendors there? Or how would you compare that to some other shows you've been to? It's um, there's a couple of large vendors. There's chaos. Chaos has a, a an awesome booth, and also um, the big other big one is the St. Lawrence Muskie Shop, which they bring down, like they bring down like their whole freaking shop. Um, <laughs> because you know they don't sell just one type of bait. You know, like they you know they're a a general merchandiser, so you can buy just about anything in their booth, from crazy Canadian, you know makers to to stuff that you just can't walk into other booths but aside from that it really is a lot of basement bait makers man i mean my booth was just surrounded with guys that do this just for fun like me uh did were you were you standing around your booth pretty much like the whole time or did you get to walk around at all or oh you get you get to walk around because uh i had enough help i had my wife and kids were there. Uh, oh, nice. My it, Nate from the podcast, uh, he, him and his family mm-hmm. came up and like a couple of the other hunks are always around. So there's enough help. And people, you know, what's cool about it is with the hunks podcast, it's, you know, there's a lot of people that come up and just want to kind of shoot the shit with 
with us. And so the booth gets busy for that reason too, which is just cool, man. It's, it's kind of surprising the type of reaction you get when you get out there in public, you don't realize when you're sitting here behind a microphone, just talking to your buddies, how many people are really out there listening to it and paying attention. Mm Yeah. I, and, and that's, you know, that's something I was super excited to talk with you about tonight. I mean, you know, obviously you're, you're a man that wears many hats, you know, you're on top of being just a musky angler and bait maker, you know, your dad, husband, attorney, And now all of a sudden you got this podcast that's thrown into the mix that you guys started, you know, what now a few years back and um, how did that all like kick up and, and get going? I mean, I've kind You know, of heard a little bit on your podcast, but I, it's always nice to kind of hear the origin story from you. it's a great it's a great question because it's it it really happened just the way that everyone says, oh, musky fishing's a little different. You know, like guys in musky fishing are a little bit different. Well, you know, when I got musky fever in 2017, obviously I start looking for every resource I can I can find. And locally, you know. You start Googling and what, what comes up? Oh, Muskie's Inc. We have a Muskie's Inc. chapter here. So I decided to join Muskie's Inc. and went to a meeting. And sure enough, you know, you met a couple of guys. One of the guys I met, just talked to just for like one second was Ryan Reed from the pot, you know, that's become you know one of my best friends now. And, you know, it just kind of went from there. And, you know, I meet guys through Muskie's Inc. And then we get a text chain going. You know, and like we're all out fishing on the weekends, we're all fishing different waters, and our text chain becomes really interesting because everyone's fishing differently. Everyone, like no one's fishing together. You know, like it's not like we're, you know, like you guys have been fishing together your entire lives, I assume, right? Yes. Yep. Mm -hmm. Like none of us fish together at all. Like we met through Muskie's Inc. and, you know, a couple fished a little bit, you know, together. But for the most part, we were just guys that kind of had this weird hobby that we wanted to talk about and our we thought our text messages were kind of interesting because we all fished a lot differently we all kind of came into the sport differently and we were like what the hell you know if we if no one listens no one listens <laughs> well you know? who, who who was the first person to drop that message though in the group chat that said hey should we turn this into a podcast <laughs> i don't know I really don't really, know, but it, we oh, kind of tossed it around a, a little bit and uh -huh. I really don't know. I, I I'd have to ask the other guys how that happened because it, cause that's, I, just, that's I quite the step, you know, from going from a fun group chat to all of a sudden like, Hey, let's, let's, <laughs> let's actually put this out for other people to listen to and see if, see if we get some nibbles, you know? Well, part of it, part of it is that Ryan Reed has his, um, a YouTube channel that, okay. you know, he doesn't focus on all that much anymore. He, he should, but I mean, he has quite, he had quite a following and, and mm -hmm. that kind of got him a voice, you know, so to speak sure. in the musky yeah. industry, he started kind of helping out with musky max, which was our local um, giant musky expo, which is awesome. By the way, you guys really should think about coming in for it some, sometime. Mm -hmm. um, and so Ryan was kind of the first to get his, foot in the door with the you know with any voice in the industry i had my booth at musky max we were kind of like all right let's kind of see where this goes and you know again like it, we could it could have ended three weeks into it and it wouldn't yeah. have surprised me one bit you know right i we i mean we felt the same way and um so when you guys started out though i mean was was i guess uh has the 
has kind of the the you know episodes evolved or changed in any way from when you guys started out like did the the goal or the mission of the podcast has it changed at all did when you guys started out was it just hey we're gonna shoot the shit about musky fishing in general and and then did the interviews kind of start you know happening later on or was it early on hey well, let's get some other people uh you know i guess how, how did it all go down I think we kind of first wanted to see what the reaction was to, you know, whether anyone was even paying attention to anything, you know, some of our earlier guests uh, I thought were were pretty interesting and kind of off the beaten path in the sense, like we had um, Brad, who's a 3d printer. uh, I'm I'm sorry. I'm blanking on, on the last name right now, but you know, it just, he just does awesome 3d printing. You know, it was just a really interesting episode on, you know, making musky baits with a 3d printer. We also had Camden Glade on from, uh, he was from, he's from Minnesota, works for the DNR. He was the one that was doing the musky regurgitation study, you know, and people were listening, you know, people were listening to this stuff. So it was kind of like, all right, maybe the people were kind of liking the, you know, the, the, that we just bullshit. But if you add someone in there that might have a little bit more knowledge along with the bullshit, it can be kind of interesting, you know? Yeah. I don't even remember where I first heard the podcast, but like for you guys doing like the long format musky podcast was like my dream because, you know, I live in Minneapolis and I've told this multiple times here, but I'm driving to Eagle river, you know, most weekends in the summer or if I'm driving for work or whatever. I mean, it's a four hour, four and a half hour car ride. So like to be able to dive into a two and a half hour, three hour podcast was awesome. Cause it was just like, the perfect way to shut the brain off and just listen to musky, you know, hoopla for a while. It was great. I'm the same. I'm the same way. Not just musky podcast, but I, you know, I audio books right, constantly yeah. everything, mm-hmm. but yeah, I agree. And you know, I can't tell you how many people came up to us at the New York show and, and, you know, said things like, you know, they, they, they love it. Cause on Monday morning they can put it on and, you know, it's like they're sitting around the, the fire with their buddies, you know, just, just shooting the shit. And you know, that's, that's pretty cool. You know, we, we're not, we don't claim to, to be imparting much knowledge at all. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully our guests are the ones that are there to impart the knowledge, you know, which is why, you know, you guys bring a totally different aspect because, you, you know, you guys have, you know, the actual fishing acumen first and foremost, um, you know, the, in, in the, and you guys are young, you know, the, the, the idea, this whole, you guys fishing the PMTT is, you know, I love that aspect of, of this whole this whole podcast. So, you know, I think everyone's got to find where they, where they fit. And I think the hunks have kind of find, found a little, a little niche. You either, if you, if you dig us cool, if not, that's cool too. You know, we don't, we don't have to be for everybody. <laughs> no, I mean, that's, uh, I mean, that's kind of like how we, you know, when we started out, I, you know, it was, was talking with these guys and like it was kind of a similar premise where you know we would we have our group chats or we had our you know kind of group calls post musky outings and um you know all of a sudden the next thing you know we're dialing up a logo and trying to explore the yeah the podcast game you know and it was it was kind of weird waters at first and honestly one of our biggest like moments where we were like oh maybe this is actually catching some attention or garnering some steam was honestly when you guys were like, Hey, do you want to come on ours and, and chat? And we thought that was like the coolest freaking thing. We're like, Holy shit, this is awesome. We get to go on and <laughs> talk about this. So I was, that was really nice of you guys to do that. It well, was awesome. you know, I think that's, 
kind of where we want to be different than other podcasts in the sense that, you know, when we started, nobody was, nobody invited us on to, to pump up the the hunks. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it, we, and then that's, nobody needed, you know what I mean? I shouldn't put it that way. You know, no one owed us anything, you know what I mean? But I thought that I really enjoyed what you guys were doing. So I was like, you know what, let's give these guys a little bit of a boost, whether it helps or not. Cause I don't know whether the hunks is a boost or not. You know, I, that, that's, 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 it definitely was. We got, we oh, got yeah. some East coast folks that, you know, hit us up on our, on our Instagram or whatever. And it's like, there's no way they would have found us without the hunks episode. <laughs> I mean, you know, so that definitely had some reach. Well, that's awesome. And you know, I want, we, we've tried to have other, we tried to have, Midwest guys on from the beginning because there's such a big Midwest musky following and you know how can you have a podcast and talk to musky guys without talking to Midwest guys you know we've tried to talk to you know people from everywhere you know trying not to just be hyper local uh and you know for what it's worth I think we've done done a, a decent job of that you know we've we've had Canadian guys on we've had uh Minnesota Wisconsin Illinois, Indiana, you name it. We've, we've had them on. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, I, I agree the Midwest definitely, you know, sometimes it feels like it's kind of the heart of musky country. And then, but, at the, but in the same time, like you, you know, when I start listening to podcasts, like, you know, your guys is, and you kind of expand your reach a little bit, you realize there's these like awesome musky hubs in other parts of the country that you just never really, you know, being in Wisconsin, you're just kind of not tuned out of a little bit. And, it's been really sweet to kind of learn more about the musky range just as a whole. I mean, and that's, been... that's actually why we, we try to, you know, we, we do this, you know, we try to do these hunks weekend things where we invite people in uh, because, you know, it's cool to fish, you know, different waters, you know, and, <laughs> you know, Pennsylvania, we have an open season, so you can fish it year round. I know people in Wisconsin, Minnesota, they're typically, you know, dying to get out and fish like last yep. year we had the guru out uh shout out and shout out guru <laughs> shout and, out uh, and the, we had the baddock but the baddock boys out last year you know from from down in indiana and you know it's creating those kind of contacts in fishing with people and bringing people in to expose them to the east really because there is some unbelievable musky fishing here and some of our local waters are just in an absolute prime. Um, I mean, there were more fifties caught out of Pima tuning reservoir here this year than, than, you know, we've, we've seen in years. So there's a lot of good fishing to be had. And, you know, if anyone wants to, you know, if you want to fish it early in the season, you can always come in, come in and do that here in PA. Well, let's, let's, let's dive into that then in your region. And for you this last year, what did you, what were some of the best fish stories, biggest fish? How'd you do? Well, let me say, I'm, I'm not the guy to talk about, you know, many, uh, you know, tons of fish. Cause I don't catch a ton of fish. You know, I, I, I think I caught five last year, you know, in my limited, but I actually, I, the, the most memorable one was the one I got. Um, I got a 45 and a half at, at our punk spring fling, um, and it was one of the coolest eats I've, I've ever had, uh, you know, both side fish did exactly what it was like a textbook, you know, 
fish did exactly what I wanted it to do. I'm using that new that top line twitch that I was like in love with. Uh, this fish follows it in, and I say fish, fish, fish. I make one flick of the wrist, like away from the boat with the bait, and that that muskie accelerates and and eats that thing in a heartbeat. And it was just one of those things, like you know what, this is right here in Pennsylvania, you know, like that wasn't. I didn't have to go to Canada for that. I didn't, you know, that was literally an hour away from you know two hours away from my house. So. It's kind of like it reminds you that, hey, listen, there are good fish here locally and it can happen here. I, I, I remember from uh, when we were on your guys' pod, you talked a ton about trolling. That's a huge thing out by you. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but is that primarily what you do when you go out or what kind of ways I don't. are you targeting? Personally, I'm I'm a caster. Um, you know, I'm not even... Yeah, and that's kind of where our you know the beauty of the podcast is is like so many guys on the podcast fish differently like ryan and donnie they they they're the they trollers will, right yeah they're mainly trolling nick nick trolls a lot and i don't even want to say mainly trollers because everyone does cast but sophisticated trolling like we're talking guys that know what they're doing you know that's not me because in pa we can run three rods a person so mm -hmm. you got planer boards out there you got i i don't even have planer boards hopefully that's something this year that i hope to you know get out there but when i have limited time it's kind of like i want to i'm if, if i have two hours to go fish i'm gonna go cast you know mm -hmm. and so rarely have yeah. i mean i very rarely have a day a, a full day to go fish when i do that's when i go to canada you know my my full days of fishing are in canada and up there you can only troll two you know one rod per person so it's not nearly as complex so you know i'm not i guess the answer is, is like no i'm not the sophisticated troller that the other guys are uh i hope to hope to learn like i said i'm a, i'm i'm a good learner i think <laughs> expert learner yeah, I think with the whole trolling thing, actually, that's, I think, one why I gravitated towards your guys' podcast quite a bit in the beginning. Because if I remember, I I, I want to say, listen, if not from the beginning, pretty close and, you know, listen back and, and started there. And I remember a lot of your, there's even a few podcasts I don't think you had guests on. And it was just you guys, the hunks, and it was always the back and forth banter of the the quote unquote non-trollers with the trollers. But I was, uh, I was always enjoying that because I'm... You know, out of the, you know, I, I've been trying to get into trolling around here. It's still not a big thing in Wisconsin. It uh, okay. just became so, so legal again, yeah. not too long ago. And uh, so what is the, what is the state of trolling there? I mean, because I'll tell you right now, when, when people come to Muskie Max to buy baits, I mm -hmm. would say that 75% are coming to buy tr almost exclusively trolling baits. Oh wow, that's because more than I. There's think. so much trolling of these like of shad based reservoirs locally in Ohio and PA, and mm -hmm. even in West Virginia. So trolling is a is a much bigger thing here than casting. Like you, I, you don't get a ton of people that are looking to to go out and and fire bucktails around. You really don't. Mm -hmm. That's much more of a Canadian thing, or maybe a Wisconsin thing. Maybe you guys do it in Minnesota, but around here. You just don't, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's definitely more trolling are, oriented. Yeah. I don't, I didn't really understand that either. When, when I went to cave run for the first time, I know it was like, 
you know, people are giving me the rundown on like what the water temps to expect. Maybe they're going to be about post spawn. And then thinking about that up here, be like, okay, I should probably bring like a MEPS number five or a single blade bucktail. And people are just like, no, inline spinners just straight up somehow. I mean, not saying they don't catch fish, but they're just not effective. I mean, I know people use spinner baits. I mean, I don't know. It's kind of, it's kind of wild, wild to me why that wouldn't work, but it just seems like the shad I, I agree completely. Are, it's well, it's kind of okay. weird. So you guys are now fishing the PMTT. And so you're fishing different bodies of water that you have to adjust in, in ways that mm-hmm. I'm sure you're not used to. Like, do you troll the same way? Like, do you, do you try to stick with what works on different bodies of water? Or are you listening to people talking and saying, this is what works here on cave, you know, cave run. You can't do it that way. You know? Yeah. I don't know that. Yeah, that to me is weird. The one, not to be too far off the cave run, but like, for example, when I first listened to like your guys' podcast talking about Eastern trolling, or maybe other guys talk about Eastern trolling, I remember one of the first few things it was troll like small baits high up and like extremely fast. Like the one thing that stood out was like four or five miles an hour. And uh, at the time, I still wasn't even into trolling much here. And I think still the fastest I've ever gone catching a fish trolling is like 3.75. And the fastest I've ever caught one trolling in the fall is like 3.2. Like, it's almost like I'm scared to get the, yeah, it's like I'm scared to go faster, but I don't know if it's just like the fisheries or or what. I don't know. It's it's weird. Dude, guys around here will, they will fly around at five miles an hour (laughs) and just like freaking burn, just burn stuff that's nuts and they catch fish man it's it's like you know but you're right there's a lot a lot more of trolling the smaller smaller stuff there's a lot of short line trolling which again is stuff i'm not versed in i but some of these guys here they're like they control these little crankbaits you know leader out and they're they're getting getting fish especially in the springtime it's yeah. it's really kind of cool. Like you, you know, some of these guys will have videos, you know, where they're they're you're looking back and you can pretty much see the fish come up and hit the bait. <laughs> it's so close to is so it, close to you there. Are you mainly fish? Is it dirty water? Like relatively dirty? Yeah, I'm ish. Yeah, because dirty ish. I mean, again, it, it, because some of them are natural. We have both natural lakes and um, you know reservoirs. Mm-hmm. So the natural lakes, I think, are a little bit clearer um than the than the reservoirs but you know again a lot of that is weather you know weather related and things like that but it's not i wouldn't call it uh, the reservoirs i would not call clear water yeah because i've heard people talk about that here in the midwest like that short line trolling thing you know it just hasn't worked for me and you know let's say it's somebody from minnesota and i don't know is that just because it's oh guys catching the prop wash literally literally prop wash fish i mean it's yeah it's crazy that's wild. Um, maybe to further go on trolling, I actually kind of wanted to ask this earlier when we were talking about your spinner baits. Uh, did you troll your spinner baits much in like Canada or? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. So up up there, what? Uh, how did you like first learn to do that, or where, or who taught you that, or how did you get that method? Taking down? a guide. Okay. Um, okay. So I that's the guy I. He's become one of my good good buddies now, Reagan Thompson. He owns uh, a, a Paradise Cove 
cottages up on Lake Nipissing, and he is also a guide. So he's the one that guided me to the 54 in 2017. Since then, I've fished with him a ton, and he's the one that absolutely swears by spinnerbait trolling, and it works flat. Like, I mean, the fish that he's caught, you know, are, are crazy. And he's actually how I got started making the spinnerbaits because he wasn't able to get the ones that he had been getting. Oh, and right. so he kept begging me to, to, you know, to, to try, try to make them, try to make them. Finally, I was like, all right, here, I'll, I'll make a couple. And they turned out pretty cool. And I was like, all right, these are pretty cool. So they, they're not a, you know, it's not something that sells a lot locally. You know what I mean? It's, it's really something that I, I use, you know what I mean? It's, mm -hmm. I'm not making it, I guess, for the market, because if, if I was making it for the market, I probably wouldn't be making these spinner baits, you know? Yeah. I don't know. I just, they're just, they just fascinate me. The whole spinner bait, spinner bait trolling. It, it was just something I'd never wrap my head fully around, but since you make them so heavy, I feel like that helps. Oh, they'll maybe. stay down. Uh, I, we, uh, Ryan bought one of those, what's it called? A fish hawk. Um, one of those things you can slide down, down the line and get an, an exact depth of, of your trolling, uh, okay. of your bait back there. And with the three ounces, like those baits were still staying four feet down. Um, you know, nice. with, with burn, you know, going pretty fast if you get it back, you know, 30, 40 feet. So, these are not things that you're necessarily have to be burned at the top. Now they can be, you can, you can bring them. So they barely, or they are just submerged under the surface. Like in mm -hmm. Canada, the way they fish them is, is, you know, and I don't know, I've never fished in Wisconsin or Minnesota. So I don't know what the type of weed coverage is there, but you know, generally, you know, you're fishing these weed flats in Canada where there's, you know, maybe a two to three foot kill zone above, above the weeds. And if you can keep your spinner bait above that, you can troll all day, you know, but right. so, it, but you got to keep your eye on the, on it, or you can drop that thing back there and, and get it down as deep as you want. It's really a pretty versatile trolling bait that you it's know, mainly that, just flat line know. trolling. I assume. Yep. Okay. We overlooked yeah. that last year. Yeah, we definitely yeah did. I think we did. We, <laughs> starting to think got, of some pretty serious applications where that could be pretty deadly. I, I got one thing that I think, I don't know if I had said this story at all last year, but um, Brian, Max, you know, before the first Bender weekend in July, when I was scoping out that water with a buddy, because uh, we hit that hard that Saturday for the first time ever, but when I was there that Wednesday or Thursday for the true first time ever, didn't see a fish, but uh, part of it, I went trolling and I, I was literally like, because I, we didn't have a lot of time. I wanted to cover water fast. So I pulled out the old, you know, Eastern style trolling. I started going four and a half, five miles an hour. And I threw back a 12 inch matlock about eight, 15, 18 feet off the end of the rod. And the other one, I think I just was more of a flat side crank bake. I put it further back. I don't think it got much deeper. And, uh, I was, I was running live scope to run, look back at the bait. And I remember specifically watching two muskies shoot straight vertical. One of them was like, came up to look at it. And one of them, I think it went through the bait and then swim back, swam back down. And I think it missed it. 
because the bait because i don't know what the hell that matlock is doing at five miles an hour but i think it's a oh. lot <laughs> oh <laughs> so, if it, yeah so. i mean i don't have a ton of experience but my my understanding is those things move like crazy oh, yeah, now my the- my experience with live scope is limited but uh on nipissing last year we did uh my buddy kellen brought his live scope up and we did get to run uh watching the spinner baits behind the boat and at oh. one point you know, we were 99% sure that we watched a muskie come up behind the spinnerbait. And I actually, you know, jerked the rod to, to, to make the spinnerbait come up and the, <laughs> yeah, the fish yeah. still didn't. And then it just kind of, but I don't know what I'm looking at. It really kind of just looked like a, a whitish blob <laughs> that was like, it's tough going up towards the bait. And, you know, my buddy's like, that's a fish. That's a fish. I'm like, okay, I'll trust you. I, mean, I don't know. <laughs> It happens fast while trolling. I mean, yet I don't have a super ton of experience, but we've seen plenty now follow trolling. And we've well, you run a tiller, watched... right? Yep, we run a tiller and watch a, a few lot of eat. guys like that for trolling. It's pretty gnarly. If I mean, there's not a ton of people that have trolled with me yet, but when I troll, especially in the fall, contour trolling, I'm a freaking maniac. I'm literally yeah. going in inside of every little turn. I'm I'm getting baits hung up on cribs like every other pass. I'm diving baits right into shit all the time. <laughs> it's oh. my mo. That can get expensive. Yeah, I got a <laughs> I got a lure retriever from Cave Run, and I'm about to buy another when we go down there, so I have a backup. Because now, what are you guys trolling? Like matlocks and stuff like that, or what else? You know, gonna be honest here, I haven't yeah, even three. haven't even caught anything on the supernatural. We've just had I've had one hit, lost a fish. Otherwise, it was that one that missed it in the summer. Um, mainly Jake's, Depth Raiders, Shallow Invaders we do well on. Um, grandma, 13-inch Grandma. The Grandmas. Um, we just got a Legend Purge Bait for the first time this year. Oh, I like man. the action of Dude, that one. That Okay, right there. Like You just you can put them all away because the perch bait is, is the thing. That's my favorite, by far my favorite trolling bait. Um, in my limited experience, again, that's a Canadian thing, although it is a yep. Western Pennsylvania bait. Um, really? That's, oh yeah. All it's, right. it is amazing how many local baits are from here in Western Pennsylvania that, um, get fished all over the place. And I was going to ask you guys, like, is, baits, or a lot of there, baits, I should say. Yeah, I mean, do you guys have many? Do you have local crankbait makers there? Because we have tons of local, like guys here. We we run Bakers, you run Leos, you run Wileys, you know, you run Perch baits, you run Shoss Meatballs. Like these are all local guys, like that are what right a great here name. in PA. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty oh, the, sweet. That meatball meatballs, looks so meatballs cool. Meatballs have like this cult following, man. Like they, uh, another I, you know. These trolling these guys, Evan Shoss is one that, you know, I've never fished with him, but he's a great troller and his baits just catch fish, man. He's got, again, a cult following. And they, these are guys that are making stuff in their basement, just like me. You know, it's not a depth raider and that's no, no knock on Joe Booker or anything, but it's like, that's coming from, where's that made? Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> you know, it's Catches fish. <laughs> and, and, that's for sure but then when you start to use the meatball i don't know it kind of feels a little bit better <laughs> whenever you're catching fish on stuff that you you shake the hand shake the guy's yeah. hand that makes it for and sure. that you know every year you wait to buy his bait at musky max because that's the only way you can buy it 
You know, you can't yeah. go to mm -hmm. Musky Tackle online or, or you know, these big box stores. You got to buy it from, you know, some of these local Canadian guys that came down from, from Canada, like for the New York show. You can't get their baits. You flat out, unless you're going to the Musky Odyssey or winning it in like some type of a raffle on Facebook, like you, you can't just, you can't get your hands on these things. Yeah. I, no, that's I, what I makes it cool. That's, I mean, it's cool. it's cool. Yeah, right. I've tried to on Facebook get those meatballs. I think I tried to before they became popular because I've seen recently in the last few months, you know, all the Facebook lots going kind of crazy because it's winter time, and the prices for those meatball lots are for sure double than what they were last year. And I was pissed I didn't get one. <laughs> they just look pretty money. Be patient. Because be patient. Yeah. Right. Um, Evan, I. I I think you'll be able to get them in a more easy way soon. That's, okay. I, I that's what I that's my understanding. So, and I don't I don't know that for sure, but um, yeah, his his baits have a have a have an amazing following, and I think he's working on just trying to make them more available to, than than they currently are, because some of these bait companies, you know, some of these bait guys are almost impossible to get. Like I go in on these raffles all the time on Facebook with DK because I want DKs and. Like, dude, people will, you will get, you'll get shanked for a DK <laughs> at, at a show. Yeah. Or those, you, know, you, seen the, the, you, you should have, yeah, you should have seen the line for, for Baker at, uh, at the New York show. You know, it was like they're a mad rush for his booth. And that's cool, man. I think that that's cool, cool shit that that's, that's people just making their baits. Again, not someone building it in a factory. That's just somebody making a bait that catches muskies. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I I don't I don't know if we exactly have as much of that over here. I mean, I've only been to the Wausau show, which is more of a, a niche show itself. Of I think more Brady's small... coming. I think Brady is coming to that. I'm I'm really excited uh, to meet Brady and the Bam Bam. Bam Bam. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Can't wait yeah. to get one. Oh yeah. Did you pick Did you pick up a couple there at New New York? Oh yeah, yeah. I I got a couple of his early on, and then I picked up I picked up one of his glow fins in New York, and uh, nice. I actually picked up a couple for a couple of listeners out in the Midwest because they were they you know weren't able to get their hands on them, sent them out. So nice. you know, trying to get his baits out there. He, he's just he's been doing it right, man. He's just his he's taking his time with it and I'm, I'm excited to see, see what, what he does. Have you, uh, have you thrown those bam, bam? Uh, what, what's the one, Gus, what's bowfin? it actually called? The bowfin? Bowfin. Bowfin. Yeah. Yeah. Bowfin. And I, I took one of them up to Canada and I threw it a good bit and I didn't catch anything on it, but you know, it, it certainly feels good. Um, it feels more, I would describe it more toad like, um, okay. than, than, a, like a Medusa or, Medusa. or something you know it's it's got more head drop than float if that nice. makes a, makes a lot of that's sense that's good that's yeah. how we yeah. like to fish stuff so. and he's making heavy heavy versions and you know all kinds of customization so um you know we'll see how how his booth does up there that'll be cool i think he's gonna do well i think he'll do well i and just i mean always looking for like a new rubber bait not to knock the main staples because they work for sure but yeah. the fact that he's adding already like versatility, like easy ways to put weights on them and stuff like that. Like that's pretty, that's pretty legit. You know, people the, see that, you know, rubber baits are, you know, I've never, I've never, I don't have a lot of, a lot of confidence fishing them because I just, you know, that's 
when I'm out casting, you know, again, it kind of goes to, you want to maximize your time. So my confidence baits are bucktails. So um, last year was my first year really trying to focus on fishing rubber. And I did get, I did get a muskie on a toad, which was pretty cool. Nice. So that gave me a little bit nice. of, a little bit of confidence in it. And, uh, and so this year I'm really looking forward to, to, to fishing more, you know, fishing more rubber. But you guys fish, it seems like so many guys <laughs> that's now their more or less go-to. As opposed yeah. to option number two or three that it used to be years ago. I mean, I'm not, I mean, I'm even when I'm alone, but I'm always out of the back of the boat. It's 100% rubber for me. Cause I, there's just something about have, if you're going to throw a bucktail, I just having it the first out just seems to be the best. Cause like if a fish is hot, yeah, you might as well give it like the best hookup and the best figure eight hookup lure of all time and then bring in the old dive and rise rubber bait or something in the back right you know, in case it's not working but yeah rubber so what do you throw tubes or or medusas or what mainly tubes and kind of go from there i don't know i felt like it the past few years it just changes like by week almost all of a sudden we'll hammer a couple on one bait and i'll be like oh i kind of forgot about this medusa toss that on Maybe it doesn't work and be like, oh, I'm, I'll, I'll try a bulldog. And then all of a sudden, boom, we catch a fish. And then we're obsessed with bulldogs for a week. And they'd be like, oh, shit, I got to go back to the tube. I think those are going to still work again. It's kind of just random. I, I don't know exactly how to explain. I mean, other than like some have different applications on kind of where you're fishing it, certain types of water. I mean, there's certain bodies of water where I just like one or the other, I guess. But it's it's hard to explain. I don't know. I usually use each, how deep are like, your lakes? I mean, because I think I think your lakes are, from what I understand, are sort of similar to my local lake, which is a small kettle lake, natural kettle um, lake. It's very small. Well, let's just compare it because we have so much diversity. I mean, we were fishing some lakes with sand grass and twenty five plus feet. We're fishing some lakes yeah. that were only rock. We're fishing some lakes. We'll just compare it to the Eagle River chain here. Weed edge is about seven feet, slight, mainly stained water throughout the whole system. Basins of 12 to 22 30. feet. That's about right. You're in the Eagle month. River chain. That, so I don't, yes, my, 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 ge my Midwest geography is not, not great. That's all right. <laughs> uh, I am going to be driving through there this summer. Where, where are you headed? I'm headed to the boundary waters. Oh, I'm nice. taking my kids up. Uh, I'm taking my 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 kids, my dad, and uh, my uncle, and one of my cousins. Six of us are going to go for a canoe trip for a week up there. I wonder how close you'll drive to Eagle River. Maybe stop and take a half day. Have Gus take you guys out do a little musky fishing. Ooh, I could do that. <laughs> I got some buddies. If we need extra space for a boat well, too, let's see. So I have to think about that. Are yeah. you uh, are you seeing Guru up there? Um, he's so he's in international falls. falls. So I'm going to be oh, going yeah. to Ely. Yeah. And oh, Ely yeah. is, so basically I'm going to be going to Duluth and then straight up North. Okay. And, and I think, um, international falls is still a good bit. Yeah. Way west. off to the West. Yeah. Yeah. If I'm, mis if I'm not mistaken. Have, and have you been up there be a, before? It, yeah. Oh, my dad, like that's kind of my introduction to Canada. That's, awesome. that's kind of what, why I've, um, I love going up there is because he took me on canoe trips like this. He was not a musky fisherman, but we, you know, fish for 
pike, bass, walleye. There actually are no muskie in the boundary, maybe like a couple little lakes. But uh, he's kind of like the, the camping purist. So nice. we're going on these canoe trips where, you know, we're we're just twice we did fly-in trips where they just drop us off in a lake and you paddle back for six days. And oh, that's cool. You know, shit in the woods and you, know, you <laughs> catch what you I'm, eat. Yeah, I was going to say you probably prepare for you probably assume like half meals are going to be what you're catching almost Absolutely. maybe <laughs> trapping slash killing. I've heard that people do on those trips too. Absolutely. I don't know if you guys do it because all. that's your main source of protein really, you know, yeah. cause you, you can't bring any refrigeration in cause you're, you're no. literally packing it all in. So it's like a backpacking trip in the sense that everything is the smallest and, and lightest you could possibly imagine. Cause you're portaging well, everything. Yeah. What was, what was the, pull on going to boundary waters if you're from pennsylvania it was is there not like a place in canada algonquin that's park. a that's a hall in, yeah oh it is so algonquin park is is a very similar type of canoe area wilderness but the fishing is not nearly as good uh so we really drive all the we went there one time and my dad and i just absolutely fell in love with it and he's now 76 you know it's i th i think it this is the time to to do it one more time and my i'm taking my two of my old my two oldest kids they're 14 and they'll be my daughter will be 13 so this is a good time to kind of baptize them hmm. in the, in the wildlife i mean they're already uh, very yeah. outdoorsy kids because we have a cabin like they spend you know, they spend every weekend we can at the lake so they swim in the lake they're not kids that are like afraid to to be outdoors, you know, like mm -hmm. this isn't now, are they going to be ready for the physical rigors of a trip like this? I'm not sure. That's what we're going to have to prepare them for. <laughs> I mean, they're going to remember that though for the rest of their life. And, you know, I think doing those cool experiences when you're young kind of shape who you end up becoming when you're older. Cause like, I mean, if we never had gotten a cabin in Northern Wisconsin, you know, we probably wouldn't be sitting here today talking about musky fishing. So yeah, just... I mean, here I live in Pittsburgh. So if you don't have something like that, like how it's hard to get your kids outside these days. It is right. like, if you don't have something kind of built in a way to get them out outdoors, some, maybe that's the boat, you know, maybe that's the family having the boat that, that every weekend they can get the family out outdoors. Mine was getting a cabin on a lake because, you know, I wanted to be able to maximize my time, you know, and not be trailering a boat all over the place. So I was like, all right, if I'm going to maximize my kid's time outdoors, let's do it with a little cabin on a little lake that we've been going to forever. And it, it's very rustic. These cabins were built in 1937 and like oh, they wow. were not. Yeah, I mean, this is not <laughs> I do not own any type of a, a palatial, you know, estate like these are <laughs> these are literal cabins. <laughs> I mean, that's great though. It's, you know, you're getting out of the city, doing something different and you just got a, if I remember, you just got a new boat, uh, this last year, right? Yeah. I bought a tracker this fall, right before I went to, went to Canada. Cause I, I have, I had a, um, like a little, it's almost like a skiff, like it's a 16 foot boat, but it's like just so unstable. It's just totally flat top I've I've knocked two rods off of it already and oh, lost no. like $600 rod setups. <laughs> like it's a cool little boat, but the thing is just not cool for family or anyone else. Yeah. So I was like, all right, I got to get something bigger. So I bought the tracker, which has a 60 horse 
motor, but my lake is a nine, nine restricted lake. So mm -hmm. I got to have a kicker put on it this, this spring, uh, so that I can, I can use it, but okay. that's going to, again, that'll get my kids out fishing more because they yeah. don't really like going on that, my little boat in my, the pontoon boat. That's the family truckster. That's not set up for, <laughs> for musky, musky fishing. <laughs> Right. No, that that's tough. I've musky fished on a pontoon before and uh, it's not ideal. It's not <laughs> ideal. No, although <laughs> although there's a local guy here, Brian Luffy, who who he swears by it. Like he's got no his way. pontoon set up. He's got like six rod you know, multiple rods out <laughs> and he's got sweet. a grill. It's a it's a oh. pretty sweet setup. It would be the ultimate like uh sucker fishing setup. Because you could just have, if you had good rod holders, you could just chill. He got all yeah. the space of a pontoon boat. I mean, it'd be tough to land them ish, but. Um... <laughs> well, I really thought that the pontoon boat. Okay. So when we bought our cabins back in 2018, one of the things that came with it was a 1977 Aqua Patio, uh, 18 foot pontoon boat that had been, literally sat on the dock for 20 some years and hadn't been run. It was, they kind of used it as, additional dock furniture they would just wheel it out there every year park it on the dock and so it was completely not usable so that was part of our purchase so my dad and i decided you know let's let's try to make lemonade out of these lemons here and and you know try to do something so we refinished it like we put a new deck down on it and you know i'm, I'm like all right this thing we could make this into a musky musky craft yeah. And you know what? Pontoon boats just, <laughs> they just don't, as, as, as much as it looks like it would be a great platform, it is just, they're, they're just hard to operate in. They, there's this uh party boat that you can rent out on the Eagle river chain. That's like got a kind of like a main cabin on it, you know, like where you could probably sit, you know, maybe six or seven people. And then it actually has two kind of extended low level decks on the side. And I'm like, okay, that'd be pretty bitching to rent out for a weekend <laughs> and had bring like a little grill, no matter what the weather is in the middle of November, or October, you know, you get six people just put 10 suckers around the sides of it <laughs> and just go float for the day and have a few drinks and <laughs> see what happens. Well, see what I've always thought would be cool is aren't there places, at least I think there used to be places on the Lake of the Woods where you could like basically rent a houseboat and tow your your fishing boat along and just yeah. kind of explore. I don't know if that's something that. that's, that actually happens or not. They do that in Vermilion that too. Like a, really? I'm pretty sure we didn't, we see one of those boats out there, Max. One of those like big barges out there. I thought I, I heard thought about that, what they were doing out there, but yeah, uh, no, I, I, I watched a video on that on Lake of the Woods, and I then looked it up. So I'm like, this would be awesome. And they're not actually that expensive. <laughs> like okay. I would, Yeah. I think you get a logistics. group of six up there. I, I think we can make it work. It'd be pretty sweet. Well, you got you guys are young. Like yeah, before you have families, do all that stuff, man. <laughs> you probably right? get lost, but it, it, not not that not that it not that it changes that much. You, you know, but drive, when Brian. you're young, man, do all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that would be I'll drive the house around. Beach nah, you ain't, dog. <laughs> no, you ain't. The last thing we need is you behind the wheel of any anything. Um <laughs> <laughs> we uh yeah no I, I i think it's good advice we're trying to you know make the most of this right now and and fish as much as we possibly can and i think you know something that i've heard you touch on is you know like you're saying you don't get out and musky fish as much as obviously you'd like to in 
Pennsylvania, but you do do like a week trip up to Nipissing, uh, almost every year. Right. And that's kind of yeah. been, you know, that's, your deal. Yeah. So if I like, you know, if, if I had a focus like all year round, it's kind of all, I'm always looking forward to my week on Nipissing because that's my week where I can shut it all off. I can forget about work. I can forget about, you know, even, even when I, even when I go out and fish on a Friday, like, you know, I, my brain doesn't shut off. Like I'm constantly right, thinking about work. Right. My phone doesn't shut off. Like my clients don't give a shit that I want to go out and fish, you know, where <laughs> when I go to Nipissing, I can shut it feel all that, off, you know, and that. I can just say, listen, guys, leave me the hell alone. Right. I'm just going. And it kind of sucks because then I, I kind of limit myself to focusing on that where I, I, I would like to focus more. And I did fish more locally and, you know, I fished one, one day tournament. So I, and I hope to fish a couple more like local muskies Inc tournaments this year, because I enjoy the, the atmosphere and yeah, kind of the awesome. just simple competitive nature of things. So, yeah, you know, I hope to do some more of that locally this year. What what keeps you going back to Nipissing? If you're blocking off week every year, have you thought about branching out to other bodies or is there just something about Nipissing that makes you something about Nipissing, back? something about Nipissing? Um, you know, it, I caught the fish that literally changed my life there that kind of like changed the, you know, the, the trajectory trajectory of my life in a lot of ways. And Reagan has become, you know, one of my best buddies, uh, you know, like this year, Nick and I, we went up a day early and we, we slept in Reagan's trailer um, just so we could fish the better moon that first day, you know, so we weren't <laughs> traveling on the, and, you know, we get up there and just drink a few beers sleep in the trailer. And then next day we check into the, the, the cabin uh-huh. and, you know, it's, it's more or less one of those places where I feel, I feel very at home there. And, you know, that means a lot to me because it's, you know, if I'm going to go learn another body of water, that's going to be tough. Like this yeah. is a big body of water and, you know, the, you could fish this place for a hundred years and never cover, cover it all. That's awesome. So, well, yeah, I certainly I'm I'm open to fishing all over the place. Like if I'm going to put a week aside, it's it's most likely going to be there. Yeah, I yeah. mean, I've heard stories and rumors from that place even without ever, you know, knowing that like you've gone there and stuff like that. It was just from in the past. But uh have you ventured down to the French River at all? Like any of the parts of that or do you stick to the lake? I have not, but I plan to. Um, actually, okay. it's funny you bring that up. One of the guys that came down to the New York show, uh, this cool guy named Rory. He was, uh, he's part of the Muskies Canada from Sudbury, and so Sudbury is right there on the Nipissing and French River area. And so he was telling me all about fishing the French and giving me, you know, giving me little spots to try. So now that I have the tracker, that opens me up to being able to fish. Like when I go up there for a week, I can trailer it. Whereas up until having the boat, this boat, I was constrained to having a rental boat or okay. fishing with Reagan. So that's really just, you know, I have fished the mouth of the French, um, mm-hmm. but that's not like fishing the French. Okay. Right? Um, the mouth of the French is more, it's that's like big open water where you're fishing like these, these, big underwater humps i mean there are holes at the mouth of the french that are like 190 foot deep Ooh. and shoals that come up to like 8 feet. 
I mean, it is crazy. Uh, that's nutty. I don't even. That's like, I would. That's like foreign. I don't know how in you this water. Oh, in, dude, in this water is so you, big. Like, go go look at a map and look at the mouth of the French where the Lake, Lake Nipissing like funnels down into it. And it I'm is doing it right now. Gigantic. <laughs> I have looked at this Nipissing before. And go on Navionics and start looking there and start looking oh, at man. the the mouth of the French. Isn't and isn't it a, a big oh, sorry, body of water? Isn't it really uh shallow on the western end? Like yeah, like so where what? I stay, we're on the west in the West Bay, and West Bay is very shallow. Like there's the southern trough, which has oh, you know Bay. has a bunch of deep spots, but then if you go up into the west arm. Some of Warren Bay has 90 foot holes. Like West Arm has a bunch of deep spots. But there's Warren Bay. Yep, I got it. I think, if I'm not mistaken, the average depth of Lake Nipissing is 12 foot, something like that. Wow. wow. Which is why the weather gets so crazy on the main lake. Like, dude, there are guys that get stranded and have to camp, camp out. Yeah. That's... There are guides on on the southern portion of the lake where, like, if the if you get a bad wind for a week, you you can't get out of whatever little cove you're in. Where where I go in the West Bay, even with bad wind, bad weather, I can always fish, you know, up into the West Arm, and there's always options for me. That's that's one of the reasons why. Now to get to the mouth of the French from where I stay is an hour drive in the tracker. I mean, it's a <laughs> it's a thirty mile trip because the tracker right. with a sixty isn't going. You know, I'm not getting fifty miles an hour. This thing's lucky to get twenty seven, twenty eight. We face that battle. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it yeah. you know big big stretches of water become daunting when you can't get it up to to sixty. You know, like Reagan's boat. It's mainly when I'm with him that I'll that I'll explore all the way out there because he's got a three fifty on it, and then you know. We just talk about having to pay extra for gas because holy shit, do we burn some gas going from the West Bay to West that, Arm to that Mount that lake doesn't look small. I'm trying to like compare it to something like in our area. I'm I'm almost looking at it. It's longer than like Lake it's Winnebago. Bigger, it looks bigger than Malax. It's what is it? What is it? It's gotta be over a hundred thousand acres, right? I don't know if they I'm not even sure what that the side. acreage is, but it's they probably yeah. don't use that in Canada. I'm sure. So, they... real, real quick, when you're when you guys go and do this trip, when you're not fishing with your buddy Reagan, are you guys, you know, kind of doing what like Gus Bryan and I do, and you're you're looking at Navionics and trying to to find some different spots to fish on this big beast of a lake? Yeah. Or... Um. Yeah. You have paper maps. We we do. There are paper maps, but it's. I also have the. the there's a a pretty decent Navionics chip okay uh for the lake but yeah you just kind of try to identify different spots but because we've fished with reagan so much we've been pretty freaking brave in trying to get out onto the main lake where normally i don't think we would i mean we we took we took a rental boat almost out to like the mouth of the French. I mean, and right. when people heard that we did that, they thought that we were absolutely insane <laughs> because of how, but it just turned out that would, that day was just incredibly calm and we were able to do it. But, you know, it's, it's just, you just kind of got to find, find whatever you can. There's so many spots. It's so overwhelming. You know, you, you just kind of break it down and, 
I don't have, I haven't had a lot of success. I've caught some big, a couple big fish, but in terms of like lots of fish success, no, I've, I've been skunked an entire week up there and that's humbling. You know, yeah, it's, it's real humbling. Especially when you go to Canadian waters, you know, you're expecting like, you know, as to put it with plainly with poor words, you know, you're expecting dumb fish, you know, that's what you yeah. see on YouTube. That's what you always see. And then to go there and yeah, that I feel like, but then again, you're going there for a shot at something special, like the first, you know, muskie you're talking about that 54. Right. Um, you're not another, gonna exactly a guy that, that. listens that I've met just from listening. He listens to our podcast, a, a buddy named Scott. He got a 55 up there last year, um, up, up in the French mouth of the French someplace. I mean, you know, it's, you can, you can, you can change your life in a lot of ways with, you know, fishing up there, but it can be, it, it's definitely not a numbers lake. You know, it's not like going to yeah. St. Clair or something like that, where you, you have the chance of putting, 18 fish in, in the bag on a day like that ain't gonna happen on lake nipissing right it kind of makes the embrace the suck part of it worth it a little bit more though if you know that you know it's just really one one giant fish can make the trip i don't know brian do you think both of us would make it out of a nipissing trip alive if we went a, a full week without without getting a fish uh i think so yeah, yeah think so? <laughs> a couple <laughs> couple black eyes luckily Nick i would just like to adventure <laughs> believe me luckily nick fiesler has the patience of of a saint because he could like see me getting frustrated and yeah. like he's like giving me little pep talks he's just like it's all right it's all right you know just like kind of quietly he he's real like calm glue guy you know oh yeah he's like the he's the keep keep it calm because if yeah if i if i were fishing in a boat with donnie jesus we both might be off we, we might both jump off the sides you know between the two of us we both get angry you know it's uh it's it's funny how you know you i assume you guys get along very well fishing and and i think fishing with with guys that you get along with i've fished with all the hunks now and it's fun fishing with the different personalities and for sure you know seeing how yeah. who who does what who's good at what it it really is fun man yeah the, so, the boat dynamics are the best sorry Gus, go ahead no, I, I just want to play a game here quick, Brian. So, um, when we take our first like Nipissing, yeah, we, when we take our first Nipissing trip, like the newlywed uh, game. So yeah. So I got this pretty cool spot I already got marked out. So there's this All like right. neck down. There's some islands, and I, we're gonna be tossing over a 198 foot hole. You good with that? Nah. <laughs> what do you, what do you Move mean? Move along. Move. Hey, I like to check. I've never seen 190 feet below me, so I'll check that depth and be like, all right. Pop, oh, and you can you can you can be in six feet of water casting into 192 feet. Wow! Like, see, I would do the other like way around. Here. I would do 190 feet under me and cast into six. That sounds a little bit better. <laughs> now, if you if you Googled it, I would bet, bet you guys would be surprised that Nipissing is not nearly as far away from you guys as 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 you'd think. Going up yeah. over the north. Let me tell you. Oh yeah, you just go through the straight. Seventeen hours. No, 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 no. You just go up through I'm, the UP I'll bet it's and you, just, you you cut over Sault Ste. Marie. I'm looking at it on the map. I don't know. I bet just the oh, same yeah, as yeah. us going to like Lac Sol. Yeah, I 10 bet. hours that way. So wait, Brian, what See, is it to Nipissing? That's about what it is. 10 hours. You know, to for, for me to leave my house where I'm sitting right now would be 10 hours. I always leave for my cabin, so it takes us about seven and a half or eight hours. But, you know, that's... 
it's a hell of a lot more doable than going to the you know going to like lake of the woods and stuff like that for for me you know it's Shit, from eagle river it's nine hours yep could do that in an afternoon yeah if we want to go up to lax soul you know the northernmost northwest ontario lake that's 10 hours from eagle river still so yeah. cutting over straight east to nipissing was quicker you know if we want to and go you have to the that west, whole georgian bay i mean you know that like you guys really want to get crazy like i've never fished the georgian bay but i would that's love like to take a week on that mecca you know i'm not i'm not even prepared would, to really kind of i, I would that. wait to go to georgian bay until they come out with like mechanical arms you know where like i don't get tired yeah it almost cast for me but there's so uh, many of these destination places like you kind of have to if you i don't know i kind of feel like if i spent my entire career going to different places i could probably do that but when i say career why would i say that's a stupid way to put it like my you know, your life yeah, fishing I got you. yeah life <laughs> i got you um would i have more success going and trying a different lake every year or going back to lake nipissing and you know learning it pounding more. just pounding it every year yeah and learning it i think right as, i think as long as you try new spots you know, obviously it's one thing if Nipissing was a a fraction of the size, but if you try new spots, it will keep it interesting and new and, and help you learn. But I feel like the what you'd probably want to stick away from is like getting stuck in a rut, hitting the same spots, you know. Like that's even yes. even I've seen it a little bit here, just fishing some of the same lakes, same spots. I'm like, God, what am I doing when there's 50 other lakes in a small radius around me, you know, that'd be just like you because looking at you a map go, on Nipissing and there's 50 spots in a small radius around me. You, you kind of look at it like if you've seen fish there, it's such a big body of water. Like you, you kind of want to stay around the places where you, where you've seen fish. It's hard mm-hmm. to explore new waters when you only have a week. I mean, really a week is not that much time. You get out there on the water and you go to a couple fast. of spots and it's like, holy shit, like, you know, you it goes by a lot faster than you think. And uh-huh. really a dream of mine would be to take like three months and and go stay up at Reagan's place as kind of a base camp on on Lake Nipissing, be able to fish all of Nipissing, French River and down into the Georgian Bay and, you know, possibly write a book about it someday. Time uh, on the water, too. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly <laughs> what, you know, what the thought would be, would be something similar to that. Um, because I remember, I have, oh, sorry, through, go ahead. You know, through, through the punks podcast and, you know, just fishing on Nipissing, I think I've established enough connections, you know, where I could fish with a bunch of people. Like I've known yeah. enough people that like, I, I would have people that would, you know, I could fish with and kind of keep it, keep it fresh. Again, that's a pipe, total pipe dream. You know I mean? Yeah. Obviously. I'd come right. visit it's kind you of a for, dream. That, for that three month. I'll give you company for a week. Oh yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. I know a bunch of people that come up there, and I would fish with them. You know, each time they come up, I can invite people up to to stay. Um, I think it would be be awesome. But be one hell of a book. I'd read that in a heartbeat. Convincing my my wife to be to for me to take three months off of work is a little little different. <laughs> Maybe if I can get my practice on autopilot here in the next couple of years, uh, yeah. you know, I could do that. 
they got any reciprocity with a uh, bar license from Minnesota, I'll step in for you. And there you go. Try not to run it into the ground. There you go. <laughs> hey, if you want to learn, if you want to learn the dirty side of criminal defense law, man, I'm your man. Uh, I give you props, man. I give you props. I, uh, yeah, I don't know if you guys, if you remember, but when we were on the hunks podcast, you guys, um, were, were, were upset with us that we hadn't read time on the water. Well, I think especially Ryan was upset. So I was like, all right, I got homework now. And I actually went and read the full book pretty in short order after you guys uh, had assigned me that, that homework assignment, you know, interesting, interesting book. I don't know if you really remember it or if, if you know, much of it, oh, yeah. um, you know, it's, it's funny. Cause it's kind of hailed as this like classic musky book. And the dude just really doesn't catch that many. Musky. No, it's melodramatic. <laughs> it's, it's very, it's extremely it melodramatic. So melodramatic. Yeah. I kept waiting for like, you know him to find his groove or this life changing yeah something something was gonna happen and he's just plugging away just keep plugging away you know i'm getting pretty close to the end here and (laughs) he still really hasn't caught a fish over 40 inches yet not to like be a hater but i'm like man (laughs) time spending a lot of time and shit made me feel pretty good about myself i'm like all right you know but that back in the i think and i'm that's more in jest the the main takeaway i had from it was like how different musky fishing was back then in Northern Wisconsin and everywhere, the perspective, the way it was talked about, the way it was kind of like hailed by people and how much more it was a lot more difficult to catch them. You know, you talk about guys marking rock bars with milk jugs and then hand trolling them for the full day. And that's how they were able to troll structure. And now Obviously, that sounds asinine to people like us. Just I mean, crazy. Have you have you guys read Larry Ram Ramsell's uh, Musky Compendium, either volumes one or two? Mm-mm. New homework. No, assignment. I don't think so. Yeah, new, new <laughs> homework <laughs> assignment, especially because because you want to talk about perspective. It's basically yeah. you know just uh, the Musky Encyclopedia and some of the historic catches. He details you know catches from wisconsin in 1956 19 you know like like it goes back and it's not just talking about only the biggest fish it chronicles more or less every big musky caught as as he could document it and you look back at like how the how these folks caught them you know there's there's pictures of like a, a lady you know from 1938 in you know in her house gown you know she's all dr- you know all right. dusted up and she's she's holding a you know a 48 inch musky and it's like you know and then you hear the stories about the record you know and 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 all the the, the hullabaloo about the record you know and and yeah. what's the the guy up in Wisconsin Louis Spray Louis Spray yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you know, the, the history is just awesome I, yeah. and I love it. And musky fishing is certainly in a different place right now than it was back then. I mean, it's come I can't way. speak from experience. Yeah. But <laughs> I mean, can you imagine them, you know, with 10 foot rods and tranks 500s and live scope? Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't think they're throwing a, a big O's three ounce spinnerbait with the equipment they had back then. <laughs> right. Right. No. <laughs> but does that make it better or worse? You know, I don't think it's, I don't think there, I don't think that there, there is, you know, yeah, right. I think it's, we're, we're, we're certainly in a different, different era today. That's for sure. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. I think, Hey, if anything right now, I think we're at a little bit of a, a crossroads, um, on some of the, you know, I think as equipment and technology has continued to progress, 
feels like we're starting to get to a little bit of a crossroads um, in the industry with just like, all right, when is, when is the uh, innovation going to slow down or, you know, maybe right. like stop plateau. because plateau, well, I mean, event, like we've used the golf analogy a million times. Like, yeah, eventually... I was just going to say, that's exactly yeah, what I was ahead. just going to say. Yeah, I mean, no, you, you, you know, you golf eventually that. has to have the cap, you know, club face speed and, and, you know, even, you know, you see 460 CC on every club face because that's the maximum, you know, they, they said you can't quit. You, you got to quit making them bigger. You know, at, at what point is musky fishing, well, and know, they're going to roll the golf ball back. Not only are they going to, yeah, stop, I mean that's, but they're literally right, going to try to reverse, which revert. is just silly. You know, <laughs> which is just stupid. Which I'm glad I don't play golf anymore, quite honestly, because that that would just aggravate me. Golf is already a hard enough sport for for amateurs. You know, the idea that 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 amateurs are out there hitting the ball so freaking far that you got to roll the game back is simply ludicrous, and it's just going to. I don't lose think people. amateurs will will feel a difference. I don't think it'll be noticeable. I, I I don't know. I think I think the whole idea of it for an, for amateurs would would bother me. Again, yeah, it's not good marketing for the game. No, I mean but. if it's not very welcoming to people for someone that you want to grow the game, like you you're not trying to make the game harder for them. Um, yeah. You know what we just did this tee it forward campaign for how many years? Like trying to get people to to move up closer you know so so that you know the game isn't so slow and now we're just gonna roll the game i don't know it's... <laughs> yeah but like glad that's term... not my area yeah but i mean and but like i think it's a good analogy to where musky fishing is at because it like i've kind of thought about this when you know you you hear people now that are using the 10 foot rods that are like yeah i never would have ever thought we'd be throwing 10 footers and like when i've thrown our buddies 10 foot uh thornbrode rose rod it's it's great like it's awesome it's an insanely you know like it makes throwing big rubber freaking easy and it's amazing but it's like i don't i can't imagine having a longer rod like i i don't know right at what point is there well, just this a point is actually the, the golf let me go let me circle back to the golf analogy okay. real quick right, because right. one of my one of my more significant athletic accomplishments if you're going to comp if you're going to call it that would be i won a club championship at my country club in 2012 okay Shut you up. i don't know how old you guys were back then but do you remember the belly putter days yeah, yeah. i used one for i was a belly oh i loved it i absolutely <laughs> loved it loved it one and they banned it i won a club championship in 2012 using a belly putter and it was in, i think it was in 2013 or 2014 that it was banned and you they know, cited, so they cited, yeah, they cited you. <laughs> they were like, "This guy's gonna break all the records." So that, that begs the question: You know, does my does my champ does my measly my one bit of piece of pride no. in my life? You know, do I get it's got a giant asterisk next no, to it because it I used a goddamn not. belly putter? Like, you got to take everything from me? <laughs> no, it Jeez. does not. It does well, what, not. What'd you shoot? Uh let's see, seventy-two, seventy-two, play? seventy yeah it's a good three days right there all three sure. rounds yeah consistent um which then the next year we got a new member um and he won it by like 13 shots he sure shot like town. 60 Dang. yeah 65 67 68 or something <laughs> like that and we're just all like okay hey, yeah, if you had right. if you still had that belly putter you might have got him yeah exactly <laughs> see it wasn't about the putter it was the game it was the it was the indian not the arrow 
Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, I, I just, I guess it's something that I've, I've thought about a bit here as of late as when, when is, uh, I guess enough just going to finally be enough. And we'll are go. we going to, I mean, we're going to have underwater cameras at some point that like scan in real time. That is not, you know, that I, I don't know. Or we're we going to start sending drones out underwater drones <laughs> yeah. marines just Dude. ping them <laughs> i ain't I fishing know. if that's what it's gonna be <laughs> i mean what's i, I mean really the, what is next i mean yeah, yeah I, all I i've heard is that whatever i've heard from other people that like well wait till you see what's coming next it's scary and i haven't heard any specifics but like yeah i know really i've heard the, the same kind of veiled threats too. i really love the sound of that like not not a fan of that. I mean, auto I tracking no, yeah. on a fish with live or something crazy. Like yeah. I've heard that same type of stuff. Like wait until what's you know let's be what the industry has cooking up. Well, yeah, it's like mm. <laughs> I don't know if I want to know what's cooking. Dude, right. <laughs> but you guys are what? fishing in the PMTT. So if you don't have it, like okay, or was it ruled out last? Was it out no, last year? No completely. Yeah, zero. Okay, one hundred percent entire year. And are they are, are they going to stick with that or are they going to? Yeah, I think. They're yeah. Gonna stick with that, yeah, and they've okay. And they've I even, think that's fair. I think it is too, and they've altered it too. I think. Well, one, they changed it mid year, if you remember, in twenty twenty two, and yeah, uh, which is not they cool. just ruled. I mean, that's tough, right? Yeah, big yeah controversy over that. Probably not a good idea middle of the year, but they also changed it. I think it was outlawed only during tournament hours or like two hours before the first morning and then now it's like outlawed from the night of registration which would be say a friday night until the tournament ends on like sunday like you are not allowed to use it at all between tournament hours or like before each morning or something like that so they're like so they really cracked down on that what type of enforcement is there if any at all we got no idea. We haven't been on the water in those hours to see if there's somebody watching. Well, no, I mean, even just, just during the, during the event, like, is anyone keeping an eye on boats or, you know, other boats, other tournament boats, yeah. really? So Honestly, crazy. they're the, uh, the, the guys that I think, I think they hop in their boat for like part of it after, you know, they send everybody off at the dock in the morning. I think they eventually get in their boat. And drive around i don't think they do it like they used to though there's no because if your boat's already all hooked up for live scope and you're using it you know in your regular fishing day and then you go to the pmtt or like do you have to completely disable the unit you have to remove the unit like what huh. i don't even you're supposed to know how they would enforce it. We're, we're lucky that we got just the the uh ice bundle so we can just tote it right out of our boat completely yeah. and that's what my buddy kellen is, and donnie just got over that the too. side but it's like, I don't know, somebody could have one mounted underneath their boat or mounted on a trolling motor. I guess, yeah, I don't know why there's not. It, it's Is any of that loose. stuff through hull? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't I don't know. Shaky stuff. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <Might have> to... <laughs> I, I can't imagine it would be. Yeah, I mean, because you, yeah. you need that whole apparatus and whatnot. So. Yeah, I, yeah, I'd I don't like know. to it's think weird. that the, the self-policing is is probably... You know, I don't know if it's. But you're talking about big money, you know. Yeah, right. We no, got, it's we true. got assholes that stuff stuff lead and walleye. We got you know, and yeah, <laughs> yeah. I do find it weird being 
now doing the PMTT for a bit that they're like the one tournament that they don't check compartments anymore. Like we do the local ones on the chain, Spring Classic and Paul's Pro-Am, smaller money, less boats usually. And they check everybody's compartments beforehand and give you the tags, you know, that colors, days, tags, um, just like PMTT. They got the color stickers and the mix and match, but I don't know. It seems yeah. a little too loose for a big money tournament. I'm not sure what what's going on. Yeah. Well, I'm not here to stir the pot with the PMTT or anything. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're all they're all great people. I I uh like I said, I mean, I'm maybe I'm novice, but I'd like to think that the self-policing and all that shit is, you know, I mean, it for the most part on the bodies of water we're fishing, you know, a lot of times you're in areas of other boats and stuff. So, and yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, and, and to be, and to, I, I guess it's different with, you know, I guess trail teams and us being um, younger on the trail and not having like years of experience on it, but everyone we've met trail teams and just people, everyone's been really cool. And it's kind of a fun community of like the trail teams. And seems like there's been a lot of people that have been doing it for a long time. And there's definitely a level of just like, respect there for it so you know it always surprises me how many boats how many people fish it like that i mean these are not small events yeah no it you Mm -hmm. definitely it feels big when you're doing them for sure i mean it's you know everyone that's there is seems to really freaking know what's going on you know and it's um there's a lot of good fishermen in them and it's it's cool to kind of I mean, my, I think the, the most fun I've had during them, obviously catching the fish is, is a blast, but like the amount of shit that you just learn from talking with either people you're staying with or people that you meet at the bar. And, you know, it's everyone we've talked to has been really nice about, obviously they're not voluntarily giving up, you know, right. Everything, but like just kind of through chit chat here and there, like you can pick up on a few things and you kind of, you all, I mean, we've learned stuff on every single stop we've been to and everyone's doing something a little different, you know, it seems like. So that's been my biggest thing. That's been awesome is just learning from other really good fishermen and kind of seeing how they go about stuff. Um, Cause you know, when you're, when you got, you know, a finite amount of time to go out and try to find fish, like, it really makes you work hard. You know, you're not just out there shooting the shit with your buddies. It's a oh yeah. I, I can't imagine. And, and you know, it's a lot of an investment too. You know, that's not like a small, it's not, you know, I, I can go and fish on a Saturday in my local tournament and who gives a shit. What's it cost me? My, whatever my registration fee is and the gas to tow my boat there. You know, yeah. you guys are getting hotel rooms and traveling halfway, you know, across the Midwest for some of these tournaments. I mean, that's 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 a pretty big investment for you guys. I mean, did you guys get take on any sponsors or anything like that? No, no, not yet. It's all been our own our own uh, cash, um, our own investment into it. You know, obviously, we're we're, we're lucky with our outcome so far. Yeah. Pretty much come out. Even, I'd say. You know, I think you really got to play. I think people forget how much overhead two. there is and in, in stuff like this. Yeah, with I think if you have to make it all worth it, you probably got to take top three. There's like an exponential advance in earnings past three, and, okay. and it's like second and first. You know, are really getting the are getting the big ones. That's cool. All right. Well, um, 
let's let's put some finishing touches on this one because this has been a lot of fun. I think we're running at about I don't know hour and a half. Um, anything else you guys got? A uh, few few f- final thoughts that we can chat mm-hmm. about here. Totally up to you guys. Owen, what do you guys have in store for this spring with the with the hunks weekend? Are you guys doing that again or doing some, some oh, yeah. big thing at all? Yeah, actually, uh we we this year we're gonna be having some Canadian guys come down, I think. Uh nice. we have uh, I believe Leela, Greg Greg from Leela Lures is coming down. Um, possibly Bucko from Bucko's branded baits. Uh these are all guys that kind of we've had on the podcast recently and we we hung out with up in New York and it's you know, like you guys are talking about, you know, the PMTT kind of create a community. That's kind of what, you know, we're hoping to create here with some of these other bait makers and, you know, people, people in the industry, because we don't have PMTTs and things like that here. You know, we, I think the PMTT came to Chautauqua once years ago. Uh, and that was the last time because it was, I just think way too far East for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so we're gonna we're definitely gonna have uh, have some invites out. People come down and fish for a couple of days and just shoot the shit, have fun, and you know it's not not a competition. I hate the whole competition aspect of 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 musky fishing. Like if it's not a tournament, you know, just come down and hang out and fish. You know, we like to kind of hop in different people's boats. You know, fish with different people, and you know, it's kind of. Have a good time. I mean, I'm always jealous when you guys have your bender weekends, uh, you know, living vicariously through you guys. It's kind of what this is for us. You know, it's as close oh, yeah. as we get to a bender weekend. Oh, they're fun. That's 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 the dream right there. Just shoot the shit and, you know, hopefully put a few fish in the net. That's a good time. Yeah, absolutely. Well, well, you guys are welcome. Anytime you guys want to make the trip in here in, in, in the spring. When do you do anytime. it? Uh, this year it's going to be for like first weekend in May, I think. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. So we got uh Ryan Elizondo is gonna fly in from Washington for it. We got a couple nice. of like I said, a couple people coming down from Canada. Brady's gonna come and fish it, I think. Uh so nice. look really looking forward to it. It's gonna be a good time. Awesome. Well, look, we uh we can't thank you enough for making this work. And I know you know you're battling some some sickness hey, in the household. I'm glad yourself. we got through it, boys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Yeah. So we're, we're really appreciative of your time. And, uh, again, can't thank you enough for having us on your podcast back when we first started. That was awesome. So, well, guys, I, I enjoy listening to your stuff and, and, uh, you know, I'm always rooting for you. I look, I wish you guys the best of luck coming up in, you know, this season, PMTT, uh, I'm going to try to send you guys some baits to maybe use this year, see what you think of them and, you know, give me your honest, honest opinion on, Oh, one of the things I wanted to ask you guys is the single hook on the spinner baits. Have you ever, mm-hmm. did you, did you want a treble hook on that? Ooh, I think in cases we could use it if we're not using, say the spinnerbait in some sort of like heavy cabbage area, for example, I vermilion. guess over like shallow rocks <laughs> or yeah, vermilion, you know, for not targeting weed so much, you know, the pike. Yeah. Cause I, maybe I'll send you a couple with a couple with big trebles on it as opposed to the big, you know, cause that's like a gigantic tuna hook I use uh, that and some people, I don't know. Some people just look at it and think it's a single hook. So they don't have a lot of confidence in it. Whereas, I mean, I, I've always had, had success with it, but yeah. But but in that that case with the, Oh, sorry, Max, you go. Oh, I was just saying, you know, I, I like the single hook because it feels like when you get them pinned, they stay pinned. And 
the the only reason why I missed that fish at Vermilion was just pure user error. I mean, it wasn't, it had nothing to do. I think even if I, it would have been a treble hook setup, I don't think it would have changed it much. I mean, maybe, but yeah, you just I don't didn't know. get the hook set or. Yeah. It just, uh, yeah, it just, yeah. <laughs> right, hard to even remember. I don't want to bring back. Now. I don't want to bring no, back it, bad memories. <laughs> no, I've, I've thought about it just a few times since then. Um, yeah, I, I think it was just, uh, well, so I was, I mean, again, and I was going to touch on this when you're talking about it and I don't, we don't need to prolong this too much, but I, you know, what I loved about the bait was the fact that like I could burn it super fast over super shallow rocks and because of the weight, I don't know if it was because of the weight or what, but it, it just felt like it was grinding, making so much noise down there and it was coming in and I could, like I said, I could just burn it. And, um, you know, I was reeling it as, almost as fast as I possibly could over the shallow rock bar. And I was at times would kind of tick off rocks um, and I'd kind of feel it. And then all of a sudden, like when that fish ate, it just kind of felt like it was just a little bit more dead weight. And I think what happened was the fish just came up behind it and pretty much clamped on and was, you know, almost. It forward with it. almost. And I, I kind of just, I had the rod tip up a little higher cause I was trying to keep the bait up. And so I kind of was almost just like giving it a little like, Hey, get off that rock or whatever I'm snagged on. And literally like computed in my head too late is like, as I was doing that, I realized it was a fish and then I set it. And as I set it, I just saw the fish go broadside and the bait just fell out. So I set the way that the fish's mouth was. And I mean, I think it was just literally a bad, you know, bad timing, bad timing. Yeah. So um, it happens, man. Well, hopefully you'll keep. Hopefully you'll keep throwing them next year. Oh, for sure. I'm already I try trolling them. I'm pumped to troll them. I yeah. got a few different lakes. I'm very excited to try. I that think it'll definitely year. come in handy for sure, especially when some of them start to dirty up or those weed edges get a little, you know, higher up. Like you're talking about, like that two foot kill zone that you can kind of blaze through. Say yeah. you might. I mean, I mean, I could just see how that's effective. Like you might. I mean, you could go really fast almost to a speed where you can't even reel that fast. So like you're potentially going after fish that no one else, no one else around here is going to do that. I can guarantee you that. Right. And the other thing I was when going to is touch the on Wasau? Was, when, when's the Wasau uh, expo? Uh, uh, that one is March. Let me get a calendar up so I can get the exact dates. That one it's is after March. musky max. I'm like, yep. I'll give Brady some baits to, to take out there. Musky Max is you said second and third. The next weekend, yep. eighth, ninth, tenth is Minneapolis, <clears throat> and then Wausau is 15th, 16th, 17th. So the okay, third cool. weekend of March. So all right, yeah, that 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 would be great. Yeah, we, you know, I'd love to tinker around with those again. And and cool. I think a good thing about the treble hooks is that you'd have a a way that if you have to cut hooks, you can replace it too, right? Like the bait's not ko'd it's actually you can replace the the tuna hook too i i you know i yeah can that's give you what a, i remember i think all you got to do is cut off the in in really you could you could take the the single hook off and put a, a treble on you know you just oh, take yeah. the remove the shrink tube now be careful because that shrink tube is like crazy it's like crazy shrink tube i've had multiple people hurt themselves trying to <laughs> remove it oh boy <laughs> All right, that's good like, morning. With like an exacto <laughs> knife or like a knife, and it it slips sure. and they're yeah. So, <laughs> oh, I don't. Know. That's already yeah. giving me some heebie-jeebies of my beginning bucktail making of cutting areas of my hand. So, oh yeah, 
because I do all the twists by hand. I don't have a machine do that. Oh, <laughs> or a oh yeah, that sucks. Ugh, yeah, bruises and yeah. Well, boys, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you very much <laughs> for for having me. Uh, like I said, I this is definitely I've never never been a guest. I don't believe so. So. I will always remember this. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. Yeah. Feel better soon. Your whole family. You guys too. Thanks. All right, Appreciate boys. So and good luck this year. All right. You Thank you. Take care. See ya. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we cannot thank Owen enough for coming on the podcast tonight and sharing his time with us to chat muskies. You know, it's really great, great of him to, uh, to come on and, you know, chat about his baits, you know, the big O's bucktails, you know, touch on a little bit with the musky hunks podcast, which is uh, a podcast that us three really adore and have been listening to for a while. They do a great job over there and it's, you know, I really, I really think it's good to get some perspective from, you know, the Eastern side. Sometimes you can, just kind of put the put the uh, guards on, you know, the goggles on, so to speak, and kind of forget about you know the muskies out east. There's tons of them over there, and and a lot of fishermen over there as well. So really, really great to get him on and and chit chat on that, and as well as some Canadian stuff. But uh, but uh, from that, you guys, uh, what did you guys uh, learn tonight on on tonight's podcast? Let's go first. Yeah, I uh no, I I just I always enjoy uh hearing hearing Owen talk and was very thankful that he was able to make some time in his busy schedule to come on tonight and chat with us. Um more or less, I think for me, I just want to give a shout out to all the hunks, you know. It's uh nice just to have Owen on, but man, it would be fun to do a, a full uh full muskies on tap and, and musky hunks collab one of these days and just get all on and chop chop some shop. So yeah, I mean, main takeaway, you know, it was cool to kind of hear how he got into building his bucktails and, and how he makes them and, you know, um, how he likes to kind of uh, do them a little bit differently and uh, very cool to hear about his Nipissing adventures and how he's kind of stuck to that lake as kind of his one weekend, you know, one week getaway. Um, but yeah, no, it's uh, it's always good to chat with him and um, looking forward to fishing, you know, some of those... Um, spinner baits uh trolling them and then continuing to kind of use them in different scenarios so yeah um that'd probably be my biggest takeaway brian yeah i was very intrigued with his nipissing adventures i kind of always thought of canada as the stuff north of minnesota so it's cool to kind of get his perspective on that side of the canadian musky scene um but also like you were saying we kind of get caught up in the wisconsin musky stuff minnesota musky stuff and we don't really think too much about the east coast people um, but they do musky fishing a totally different way out there. They do, like he said, primarily trolling. Um, they have a ton of different, you know, small batch bait makers who make hard baits, trolling baits. Um, the one that stuck out to me was the meatball bait meatball. we had talked about. <laughs> yeah, uh, we got to get our hands <laughs> on one of those. Yeah, yeah, like, get like... a meatball in our hands. And, I mean, <laughs> a lot of those baits out there, I'm sure – majority of people in Wisconsin haven't seen or heard of, and I'm sure they're produced well here. So it makes you think, you know, maybe take a little page out of the East coast Easterners playbook and, and see if it translates to our Northern Wisco fish. Yeah. All right. Gus. I think, yeah. I think I really agree there. That would be sweet to 
you know, just as people always talk about trying to find like a different, like a bucktail that grinds a little bit differently. I mean, the same could be said for a crankbait, you know, it's probably more beneficial to go with one that's handmade from a different state that people would have a hard time getting over here. There's no, you know, there's a very, very small chance with the amount of lakes we got over here that a fish has even seen it. So that is definitely something that I, you know, took away is that they just have so many small bait makers mainly rely on, you know, crankbaits, shad style crankbaits, you know, just the whole style of trolling that they do, you know, little things that I've tried to replicate here. And I, I just, I think there's just as anything, you know, a muskie's a muskie, a muskie, and uh, there's a time and place for everything. I think that speed trolling with the spinner bait or speed trolling, short line trolling, all that stuff could be used here. So I'm, you know, that, that's my, that I think, it's, I think it's kind of taken or stealing a little bit of yours, Max, with the, the spinner bait, but I got a, that's, that's like the biggest thing that I got from it for sure that I want to, I want to for sure try early and, and late and middle of the season, just anything to try something new, just for anything sure. to catch these muskies in a different way, you know, stand out and find a new bite. That's the whole fun of it. You know, I don't want to just go fish the same spot, same way, expect different results, you know, and try some, some wacky stuff. That's how we find some of these wacky bites that we've been on, you know, that almost like half don't make sense or are like weird if you think about it, but it's cool. It's cool stuff. Wow. Show. All right. Well, I think we uh, gave it our best effort for playing injured tonight. You know, this podcasting game just ain't no joke sometimes. Got to roll up <laughs> sleeves and got to roll up sleeves and go to work. You know how it is, Brian. So, <laughs> yeah. I get a little down and dirty sometimes. <laughs> yeah. It's just that rise and grind life. Hey, Brian. Yeah. Hey, ain't that facts? <laughs> All right. Well, All right, uh, yeah. I don't know well, about you guys, but I'm about to hit the put put a head to pillow here pretty shortly so um i think okay. uh, i think before oh sorry i cut you off but i was gonna say before anybody quick presses the pause button here on this podcast because it's the end quick plug the socials and then brian take us away here in a second so if you guys could give us a follow at muskies on tap on instagram that would mean a ton to us we're going to be pumping out some content, you know, other than just posting that we have a po- podcast up, we just put out our second bait of the week. Um, we'll do that every uh Monday, and uh, we just did the crane bait shout out, Bill Crane, out. and uh, we'll have another one each week for that. And also, my guide page is Suggs Fishing on Instagram and Suggs Fishing Guide Service on Facebook give that a follow that'd be great guidebooks are open for 2024 give me a shout on any of those uh you can find my website and the the uh the merch the available merch on there as well www.sugsfishing.com and with that brian let's oh, give the quick. folks don't, don't, get, what you got don't be afraid to hit that subscribe button either you know maybe like subscribe unsubscribe resubscribe don't really pump those numbers up, you know. Don't be afraid. Leave us a review. Yeah, give us Hate a follow. Love it, whatever. Yeah. Tell another Tell musky, a friend. Tell a friend, another musky fisherman. Or not. Maybe this is the podcast that oh actually probably oh. <laughs>
Oh, oh, wait, what's up? We got technical difficulties here, Brian. Your Wi-Fi just took a took a dump. Oh, right when his moment is to shine. There he is. There he is. There he's not. Yeah, I didn't hear that last sentence. Oh, you're good. Take us away, Brian. Yeah, take us away, Brian. Just take us away, dog. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening to this episode. Shout out to Owen for Owen for coming on tonight. What a performance by him. What a bucktail he makes. And Spin Ray, be sure to check those out. Guys, the weekend is upon us. The last weekend of football for the year. Who do we got for? Oh, <laughs> I got uh, 49ers. Oh. Nine, nine, niner gang, baby. <laughs> nine Down, gang with Taylor Swift. Down with Taylor Swift. I'm Down done with her. With her. I'm done. With All right. I'm going to go with 31 23 Niners locked in for final score. Guaranteed lock. Have a good 27 14. He's a liberal spy plant. <laughs> Thank you.